In the chapters leading to today's reading from Matthew 10, we hear Matthew's stories about how Jesus impacted the lives of those around him. Lives changed because of Jesus, which included getting healed and dead people coming back to life. Now we hear the crunch when Jesus says, this is now your mission. You go and do it and do it like this. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Don't take any money in your money belts, no gold, silver, or even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes and sandals, or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. Whenever you enter a city or village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it is not, take back the blessing. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. The peace of God be with us. This would be a good time, I think, to give you an update uh, expanded upon from our Wednesday night Q&A. Our son Bryce, who is in the U.S. Army, stationed at Wheeler Airfield in Hawaii, has a, a little bit of a knee injury, but he is doing well, and uh, it's been circulating. He's just waiting on results from an MRI, and as he said to me, it's the Army. You hurry up and wait, you get in this line to wait. And he's had the MRI. He's he's hoping that uh, he can get back to full service soon. Although in talking to him, I think he is enjoying light duty way too much, way too much. Our oldest son, Blaze, this past week joined the United States Air Force uh, in a version of a blitzkrieg. He tried to join a year ago, and uh, he had some dental issues, and he lost his way, and then he got in his own way, and then he suddenly... Made a leap, and he is in San Antonio, even, even as we sit here this morning, in a basic training, and I'll have an address for you as soon as I have an address, and you can write to him, and I hope that you will write to him and encourage him. Braden, our youngest, is still Braden, 17 years old, tan, tall, long-flowing locks, obnoxious. Because he is 17, a friend turned 18 yesterday, and they celebrated that birthday here, so just on the other side of this wall here to my left, there are five tall handsome, obnoxious young men with flowing locks, sleeping it off all their uh, staying up late last night. When the boys were younger and they were obnoxious or rebellious or just plain disobedient, I used to send them to their rooms to sit in contemplation and to think about the mistake they had made. Uh, I guess it's time out is what they call it now. And then I would join them a little bit later after they had some time to think. I don't know if you do this, Garrett, with your kids yet. I would join them a little bit later to talk, to discuss about 
what had happened and why they were in trouble. But rarely did I ever get to that point where I could discuss what had gone wrong because inevitably they would fall asleep as they did that very hard work of thinking about what had gone wrong and the decisions that they had made and what they were going to do about their futures. I fished out a few pictures this week for documentary purposes, uh, and I spent way too much time in my sermon prep, by the way, of just, I got caught looking at old photos. I think I, I got trapped for about two hours just looking at old photos, but it was so much fun. Here is slide number one. This is Braden sent to his room where he would often sleep on a couch instead of the bed, taking comfort with Spider-Man for some sin that he had committed, and you notice he is completely asleep, exhausted from mulling over his mistakes. Slide number two, this is Bryce, so disturbed that he is wearing his pants on his head, which is not uncommon for him uh, for some reason when he was young. He was forced into stillness more than most, and he had the hardest time with it, and, and, and he would almost always put his pants on his head. I have, I have no idea. I have no idea why. And then slide number three, this is the avoider-in-chief. Blaze, his head is under a pillow. He is joined by some kind of Pikachu something there beneath him. He's got his SpongeBob blanket. He is stuffing his brain into a bucket. He just couldn't face this post-sinning conversation sound asleep. I can commiserate with those boys and I can commiserate these days and you can too I'm sure with coronavirus and unrest life has been quarantined for many of us or at least restricted and we've had to spend more time than usual probably with our thoughts more time to look inward and it can be really exhausting when you're stuck with yourself uh, it's really really hard work and the reason so many of us stay so busy is that we don't want to do that kind of inner work. We don't want to sit and explore and, and, and do the work of the soul. We don't want to think about what has gone wrong in the world and why. We don't want to face those difficult conversations. And we'd rather wrap our head in a blanket or stick our head in a bucket or the proverbial sand and just drift away. I stumbled through a story impromptu on Wednesday evening, and I'll try to tell it proper this time, about a circuit-riding preacher who was on the trail one day, and he called out to a farmer who was working in his field, and he said, Good morning. What a beautiful day it is. And the farmer paused and leaned on his rake and said, Well, it might be a beautiful day for you, but here I am, sweating nearly to death working in this field, and when I get done today, I'll have to walk all the way home. And meanwhile, you sit there on that horse, this man of God, and all you do is think about God all day. I don't think that's fair because I think you got it pretty easy. Well, the preacher just stopped and got off his horse, walked over to the farmer. And he said, my brother, quite the contrary, thinking about God is one of the most difficult things you can do. And to prove it, I'll give you this horse of mine if you can sit down right now and do nothing but think about God for the next five minutes. And the farmer said, deal, I can hardly wait to take this horse from a preacher. And he sits down, 15 seconds, 30 seconds. At 45 seconds, the man looks up at the preacher and he says, hey, does the saddle come with that horse? And immediately he had blown it. He couldn't even for a minute sit and think about God. He was thinking about the horse and the saddle that he hoped to gain and the deal is broke. It is hard work 
to sit and think about spiritual things, especially in a society like ours, which has this group equivalency of attention deficit disorder. We just move thing to thing to thing. We stay busy to avoid that work of the soul or we numb ourselves so that we don't have to face it and we can just collapse and sleep it off. All that said is prelude. I hope that you have had some time in these recent weeks and recent months to do some hard thinking about our world, about your place in it, about yourself, about your future, about what you want to do, what you want to be, how you want to spend your time uh, whenever some sense of normalcy returns, though we will never go back, I don't think, to the things, to the way things exactly were, and we shouldn't. This pandemic, these protests, this worldwide upheaval should reorganize and reprioritize what is important to us. I'll just quote the man himself. Come gather around people wherever you roam and admit that the waters around you have grown and accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone. If your time to you is worth saving, then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone for the times they are changing. And when the times change, it's an opportunity for you, for me, for all of us to do some changing too. In some ways that I can't yet articulate, I can't even say it yet. In the deep places of my heart and soul, I know these last few months have changed me. I feel different about some things. I think I am different. And while I've always sort of danced to the music inside my own head, and I've been very happy to avoid the safety of the establishment, I feel like that position now is more important than ever. And as I've tried to do some of that hard thinking and not fall asleep, I know that I want to stay true to what I have learned during this time on the other side. This text today tells me what I need to do with what I have learned. There's an old Sufi saying that goes like this. Whoever travels without a guide needs 200 years for just a two-day journey. Whoever travels without a guide needs 200 years for just a two-day journey. We are going to need a little help walking into whatever is next, or we will never get there. So as we emerge from what is into what will be, Jesus, as usual, is our guide. And let's take as our own lesson what Jesus taught his first disciples when they were first sent into the world with what they had learned. This great commissioning text from Matthew. Four things today. Number one, Jesus says, start at home. Before you have any idea about what you are doing, it's probably a good idea to know where you are going. Start at home. In our text today, Jesus gave clear directions that the disciples were to go to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep, not the Gentiles, not the Samaritans. They were to go to the people that they knew best. Now later, Jesus would send them out into the entire world in Matthew 28 and Acts chapter 1. But even then, he was sending them out within concentric widening circles. As you go out into the world, begin in Jerusalem, begin at home. Then you can go to Judea, the greater community. Then Samaria, that state next door. And then to the ends of the earth. 
Jesus doesn't restrict them to one particular people, one particular ethnicity, one particular race. It is a matter here of emphasis. Start at home. So if you have any sense of God's goodness and grace in your life, if Christ is alive and and well within you, if the love of God compels you to act in some way in this world, start where you live. You may not be able to travel on a mission trip for some time yet to come. You really can't do anything about disruption in some faraway city or on some distant college campus. You can't reach across the world or the country and do something to fix some big problem way over there. But you can do plenty of work right here where you live, on your street, in your own community, There are plenty of opportunities to live out the gospel right here. And you may think that God really can't use me where I am. Well, he certainly can't use you where you are not. And you're not out there somewhere. You're here, locally. And that's where the work of the gospel begins. I love a phrase that Judy Skinner introduced to me. It's originally from Gene McClendon who is a therapist in North Carolina, the phrase is this, stay inside your own hula hoop. (laughs) McClendon suggests that we're all walking through life with our hula hoop. And round and round it goes, but we are certain to let it fall to the ground when we attempt to hula hoop for someone else. Now this gets close to a lot of people and how they live their lives. We see somebody over there. And their hula hoop is going around their hips and they see it fall and somebody else has got a hula hoop and they've got it way up here around their neck and somebody else isn't doing it right. So what do we do? We walk over there to fix them. We go over there to show them how to do it right, whatever that might mean. And the minute that we begin concentrating on how somebody else is doing their thing, our thing falls to the ground. Stay inside your own hula hoop. Stay at home. There's plenty that is wrong with the world, but most of it, you can't do anything about it, but you can bring grace and justice and mercy and good news and all those other fruits of the Spirit to bear in your own backyard. Yes, there are things we can do, things that we can change about ourselves, about our communities, about our society, about our neighborhoods, and we should work tirelessly to that end, but that work begins at home. Start at home. And what is the work? Number two, practice healing. Practice healing. Verses seven and eight. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cure those with leprosy. Cast out the demons. Give as freely as you have received. Healing. That's what is needed in our world today more than anything. And by healing, I don't mean Telling people just to get over it. That is not healing. Healing sometimes takes a long, long time. Healing sometimes is achieved by more pain. It gets worse before it gets better, is what I'm saying. Take someone who has a broken leg. You don't tell someone with a broken leg, hey, you just need to get over it. That person needs that bone set. They need a cast. They might need surgery. They might have to go to rehab for weeks. They might need a wheelchair. They might need a a crutch. They might need 
all kinds of help. And to be healed, you're going to have to be patient with that person and bring them along as they are able. When you practice healing, it takes some time. It takes a lot of effort. You know, last year, it's been over a year now, I had uh, three surgeries and one on my left elbow and my left wrist. I had carpal tunnel surgery on my wrist. I had a, a tendon release on the outside of my elbow and on the inside of my elbow, I had my ulnar nerve relocated, which is the, the nerve that creates your funny bone. I don't have a funny bone here anymore. They've moved it over a couple inches, which is really weird. Uh, my funny bone is in a different place. And now thanks to Dr. Fox and his orthopedic staff, you know, I still have some nerve issues and I'll never have the same kind of strength I had before, but completely pain-free and I get my guitar playing, sermon writing, golf club swinging left arm back, uh, more or less. And I'm happy for that. But all the good work that Dr. Fox did, and thank you, Dr. Fox, I hope you see this one day, there was another doctor involved, Dr. Regina Patton, General Patton, I called her. She was my physical therapist. For 12 weeks, three times a week, I would go visit her. And she would torture me. She would stretch my arm out in ways that I did not want it stretched. She would put me on machines that I did not want to be put on. She would give me homework and exercises to work on that I despised. She would take this thing that looked like an oyster shucker and dig into those new incisions that were still purple and blue that were just healing in order to keep scar tissue from developing in those places. And when we were nearing the end of our time together, she said, you've done really well. You've progressed so well because you, you just have this high toleration for pain. And I said, what? <laughs> there was an option? I didn't know the code word to stop the suffering. I could have stopped some of this. But that was really the work, and that was the healing work that she was doing for me. The surgery was just the beginning. That rehabilitation was where it went. You know, old wounds are getting dug up in our society these days. Long-standing grievances are getting excised. There's a lot of rehabilitation and therapy yet to do. Let's make sure that we are practicing the healing arts beginning right here at home. Number three, Jesus says to his disciples, travel light. And boy, do we need to hear this one. Economic hardships, COVID-19, financial uneasiness. Now is a good time, the best time to hear the words of Jesus. What does he tell his disciples? You don't need no money, just get cracking. Throw that suitcase overboard. You don't even need a walking stick. People that you meet along the way are going to meet your needs. Travel light. Now is a good time for all of us to disengorge ourselves from some of our stuff. Have a yard sale. Dump a property or two. Simplify. Become a minimalist. Well, that doesn't sound very spiritual to me. It is absolutely spiritual. Because the less we have, the less we have to worry about. The less we have the less we have to give it time and energy and attention, and the more free we are to do the things that are really important. Take an inventory. I bet a lot of what you own is because you needed it at one time in your life, but you really don't need it now. And then there's 
a bunch of other stuff that you have that you have it because people of your age and social status have all those things. And you were just going along playing the game. And then there's a whole nother pile of stuff. You have it because one day you're hoping or thinking maybe you will need it. Have these weeks and months taught us anything? How much time do we actually have? We sure don't have enough time and energy just to be stockpiling stuff. It's time to get rid of it. The great Irma Bombeck. I don't save anything, she said. My pockets are empty at the end of the week and so is my gas tank. Throughout the years, I've seen a fair number of my family who have died leaving appliances that never even got out of the box. I have learned that silver tarnishes when it isn't used, perfume turns to alcohol, candles melt in the attic over the summer, and ideas that are saved for later become dated. I've always had this dream that when I'm asked to give an accounting of my life to a higher court, it will go something like this. So empty your pockets. What have you got left of your life? Any dreams that were unfulfilled, any unused talent that we gave you when you were born but you still have it left, any unsaid compliments or bits of love that you haven't spread around, and I will answer, I have nothing left to return, I spent everything you gave me, I'm as naked as the day I was born, amen and amen. Travel light. And number four, don't waste your time where you are not welcome. Verses 11 through 14. Whenever you enter a city or village, search for a worthy person. Stay in that home until you leave. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it is not, take back the blessing. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or to listen to your message, shake the dust from your feet as you leave. Now, I've heard that phrase my whole life. Shake the dust from your feet. What does it mean? Well, in Jesus' day, a rabbi, a devout rabbi, might go visit a Gentile city. When he left town, he would get to the city limits and he would take his sandals off and he would bang them together to get the dust off, to get anything that might be corrupt off of him so that he wouldn't take it with him when when he goes. Boy, that's good, good words from Jesus that we need today. You might be full of the love of God. You might just be overflowing with the Spirit of Jesus. You might have all the good, holy, holy juju going on in your life, but you're going to meet people that don't. And they don't care about those things. They're not interested in those things. Did you know there are people in this world who live just to turn your screws? They live just to dog you. They live just to aggravate. They live just like they're looking to pick a fight all the time. And in this culture in which we live today, there's a lot of people like that. What do you do with people like that? You shake the dust off your feet. Leave them to their choices. Leave them to their opinions. Leave them where they are. Leave them out of your discussion and make sure that any of the hatefulness and barbs that they have 
aren't stuck to you when you leave that you don't carry it down the road with you to somebody else. Go where you're welcome because there will be plenty of places you are welcome. Don't let all the bad news in this world blind you to this fact that this world is still filled with good, loving people who are on the side of right and decency and moral and on the side of Christ. They are seeking the truth. There are plenty of people like that. Those are your people. You don't have enough time in your life and you don't have enough energy with your life to spend it on people who have nothing but negativity to offer to the world. Dust the shoes off your feet. That Sufi saying, whoever travels without a guide needs 200 years for just a two-day journey. We don't have 200 years. We only have what little time that we have. Jesus, as usual, is our guide. Start at home. Practice healing. Travel light. And don't waste time where you are not welcome. And this is the word of the Lord.